a very stubborn husband. This is not my wife, by the way. It could be, but it isn't. <laughs> but I have so much respect for her. And I remember, I remember the one, uh, talking with her one day, and she says, every time I, that I have a disagreement with my husband, I go to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, change my heart. I don't ask God to change his. I ask him to change mine. I was like, but you're the one that's usually right. And she is, because she's often very much in tune with the, with the Holy Spirit. She's often the one who is right. Not that he isn't right sometimes, but very often she is. But do you know what happens in that process? So she submits herself to the reign of God. If she gets to the place that she can accept whatever happens in that situation. She can accept it. I had a friend that I was talking with this week, and they were at a crisis point in their life, and, and there was something that they just needed God to do. And if God didn't do it, it, was gonna, it could change the, the course of, of his entire life. And he was talking to me about it and asking me to pray about it. And I said to him, I said, you know what the good news is? I says, no matter how this turns out, you know that you'll be in the will of God. If this falls apart, then you'll be in the will of God. Because that God has, has chosen to allow this to not work out. And if it does work out, and it, and, it move, and it moves forward, and it happens the way that you hope it does, I said, you'll know that you're in the will of God. I said, no matter how God answers this prayer, you can rest assured that God is reigning in this situation. And that's an incredible place to be. It's such an incredible place to be. God, if you, if you bring healing, wonderful, I'll praise you. And if you don't bring healing, I'll praise you still. Job said, though you slay me, I will still serve thee. It takes, before we can ever get to that place, this is a complete and total acceptance of the reign of God in our lives. And we will do well to remember this in our times of prayer. I don't believe that it is the responsibility of the Christian in the place of prayer to strong arm God. That somehow, we, through the place of prayer, we twist God's arm around his back and, and make him do our will. I don't believe that's what prayer is all about. And I don't mean to be critical, but there's some people who pray, and it sounds like they're making demands. Give me a drink, Dennis. I mean, they're, they're, and I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> their prayers, some of them are, I mean, they're talking to the devil. You will do this and you'll do that and, and whoa, oh, oh, wait a minute, what's going on? And in Jesus' name, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And I'm just, 
That's not how Jesus taught us to pray. It's not my will. It's not what I want. Thank you, bud. Excuse me. It's not what... I'm not the one reigning in prayer. I'm accepting God's reign in my life. And this is the power of prayer. This is what prayer really does, is it gets us to the place where we can come to God, place of prayer and say, God, this is really what I want. Is this your will? And for God to begin to mold our will and align it with his. To align it with his. Accepting the reign of God. I think there's also found here the anticipation of the reign of God. He said, thy kingdom come. When's the last time, except for when you're praying the Lord's Prayer, when's the last time we said, Lord, come quickly? Lord, I'm looking forward to you. I'm looking. In, in fact, 1 Peter tells us that we're supposed to be anticipating the return of the Lord. We're supposed to be looking for it. We're supposed to be excited about it. Folks, we are in a broken world. It is a broken world. I just looked through the news this week. Oklahoma, a man was arrested this week. He sexually assaulted a four-year-old girl in a McDonald's bathroom. And I think, we're in a broken world. Who does that? How? Why? Read a story about an interracial couple who bought a home and on the, on the realtor sign they wrote a racist message, an awful thing. I won't even say the words in this setting. I, I wouldn't dare. I was like, why would you do that? In Philadelphia, as I understand it, 13 police officers have been suspended for 30 days with the intent to dismiss, the intent to fire them because of racist comments that they have posted on their Facebook pages. And now they don't have confidence that they can rightly police a community of minorities. And some of the things that they read or that they posted were just absolutely just hateful. Our world's broken. Our world is broken. The Bible tells us all of creation groans. God didn't intend for there to be heat like this. Six people die. The tornadoes and the hurricanes, they weren't part of God's design. The cancers and, and the illnesses wasn't God's plan. The wars and the hatred and the murder and the violence wasn't God's plan. And I believe that with all of my heart, <clears throat> that the child of God 
has an anticipation. Lord, one of these days you're going to come and you're going to make it right. The hatred's going to stop. The violence and the fear are going to end. The hospitals are going to be closed. We're not going to fear natural disasters. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. And I, I believe with all of my heart, we're supposed to be praying for the return of our King. That we are supposed to be every morning waking up with the thought, this could be the day. This could be the day. This could be the hour. And it shouldn't be of dread. I, think, I, I know that we have loved ones that we want to see get in. And I know there's, I know there's a fear. And uh, you know, there's, there's, there's so much that goes in. And, and Folks, let the king of all the earth do good and do what's right. Let us be looking forward to his coming. There's going to be a grand reception one of these days. We sang about it. When at last his face I'll see. <laughs> wow. Wow. I don't know what we're going to do. I have no idea. People have all these different ideas about what they're going to do when they see Jesus for the first time. Some are going to be, think they're going to stand in awe. Some think they're going to shout. Some people think they're going to hug him. I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. I wonder if we'll do it all. Because, you know, eternity doesn't have time, and so we could do it all at the same time. I don't know. But I know this. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. We're supposed to accept the reign of God. We're supposed to anticipate the reign of God. But I believe also that we're supposed to advance the reign of God. Listen, I don't know when the Lord's coming. I don't know if he's coming pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib, pre-millennial, post-millennial, amillennial. We all have our ideas. We all have our charts and our, our date setters and all these things. And, I just, and sometimes I just get weary with it. I just do. I, I know there was a time that, think, that swept the, the, the imaginations of the people. And I know the, Tim LaHaye's made his millions of dollars on, on his Left Behind series. And it makes for good fiction, I guess. I honestly haven't read them. And I'll be honest with you. The reason I haven't is because I don't want his fiction to cloud my theology. I'm not saying it's wrong for you to read them, okay? I'm just, I'm, that's the, I have a responsibility as a pastor to make sure my theology is right. And so I'm not, and, and this I know, stories are a great way to move a person's heart and sometimes skip the head. And I just have made a decision that for now in my, in my life, and maybe there will uh, come a point where it will be different, 
But I'm afraid that his stories could cloud my theology. So I don't know when the Lord's coming. I don't know when he's returning. I don't know. Uh, again, I don't know. I, you know, there's some denominations that say that if you're going to be a part of us, you have to believe in the pre-millennial coming of Christ. I'm like, really? You're that certain? You're that certain that it's pre-millennial? John Wesley and Adam Clark said it was post-millennial. And some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, pre-millennial and post-millennial. Premillennial is, is that Christ comes seven years of tribulation, and then there's a thousand years of peace after the seven years of tribulation. And postmillennial believes that God's people will usher in the kingdom of God by, by making this world more like heaven until finally peace comes. The onus is not on Jesus to come and fix a broken world, but the onus on post-millennial is that the Christians will fix the broken world and usher in Christ's coming. It's whose responsibility is it? That's the difference. And here's where I believe we've made a mistake and where we have failed our the nation and failed our communities as we have gotten to this place that we are just going to do just lord could come back today and so we're just we're going to do shoddy stuff and we're going to just enough and and we're going to we're going to just hold out till jesus comes because he's got to rescue us because there's going to be this great falling away and that's happening and so let's just bunker down and and all our churches are closing and the congregations are getting smaller and everything's bad and getting worse 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 and we just need god to rescue us and so we do things poorly when trish and i were first married we had this we had this opportunity to rent a house that had been built by a holiness man. He had passed on. His son had inherited it. He was, this, this son was pastoring, and, and so he had this house for rent. And uh, he had hoped, the son had hoped, to be able to move into it when he retired. And so renting it out, it was close to the uh, Penn View, and so renting it out to students was a way that he could be a blessing to students, but also have some income and be able to, to move into it when he retired. But here's the problem. His dad that built the house believed in shoddiness. The Lord's coming back so I don't have to do it well. While we were living in the house, all the sewage backed up. It was a septic tank. Called the landlord. He called somebody to come. He dug it up. And would you believe that guy had used piping that was basically as thin as cardboard? The guy is like, it's not even legal to use this thin of... In fact, they quit making that piping because it was too thin. It had collapsed under the weight of the ground. And over and over with the house, it was so bad. That house was falling... There was, there was whole rooms that he didn't bother to put any insulation in. It was so bad that eventually that preacher had to sell his dad's house, because he couldn't keep up on all the repairs that it needed. Because his dad had this philosophy of let's just 
be shoddy. And here's what I, I believe that God is telling us and what Jesus is trying to teach us in this is that we are supposed to be making the earth more like heaven everywhere we are. No, I'm not talking about having gold fixtures and, 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 and paving our, our sidewalks with gold. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is creating an atmosphere of love and of beauty, of doing things well. And the mundane, the things that we don't think are important, when they are done as an act of love and an act of beauty, and those things become a, the privilege of making our homes, making our places of employment, our schools more like heaven. Amy, when you change his diaper, you are making it more like heaven. You really are. Those things that washing clothes and there's always laundry to do, mom, and you're so tired of doing laundry, as you're doing that for your family, you are making your home more like heaven. When you cook a meal and, your and it takes you all day to cook it and it takes your family 30 minutes to consume it, and it's frustrating to you sometimes that you've done all this work, I want you to know you're making your home a little more like heaven. And you're bringing about the reign of Christ in your home. When you wash those dishes and scrub the commodes and all those things that feel so little like you're doing anything for God, I want you to know that you are doing something that's important. You are making your home more like heaven. Man, when you come home and you, you help around the house or you take care of the kids for a little while or you give that child a bath to give her a break, you're making your home a little more like heaven. You're allowing the reign of God in your home. You're changing what your home is like. And we're raising children. We should be raising our children in a little bit of heaven on earth. When we go to the job site and we don't laugh at that dirty joke and they feel uncomfortable and they don't want to tell dirty jokes around us anymore, we're making the job site a little more like heaven. When we go in and we do a good job and we work hard and we give them eight hours for eight hours of pay and we're faithful in our walk, we're making it a little bit more like heaven. As a teenager, I worked at McDonald's and when a new employee would come in, I didn't ask them to do this. There, was, there were people that would pull the new employee aside and say, when Jeremy's on shift, we don't swear. I never asked them that. I never said anything about swearing. But what was happening is my life, my faithfulness, God was honoring that, and I was making that McDonald's a little bit more like heaven. When you young people, when you sit by that kid that's weird or nobody else wants to sit by, smells a little funky, and you choose to befriend them when nobody else wants to, you're making your school a little bit more like heaven. This, I believe, is the call of God and the children of, uh, of, his, of God is that he wants us to make this earth more like heaven and our choices 
our a decision to make our earth more like heaven or more like hell. And the children of hell have done a great job of making this world a living hell for so many. The opioid crisis and the wars and, and, and the famines and all the things that go in with it, they have certainly accomplished their goal. But I believe that God's calling us in the place of, of prayer saying, listen, I want you to advance the reign of God. I want you to make a difference where you are. When you paint a picture, when you make a quilt, when you are, do something beautiful and create, you are making this world a little better. You're making it a little more like heaven. When you mow the grass, when you paint your house, when you do, uh, 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 plant your crops, when you harvest, we are making this world a little bit more as God intended it to be. And I, we can sit around and we can complain about other people not doing the will of God. We can complain about how this world is going to hell. But folks, we can make a difference. We can make the little place that we are a, pla a place of refuge, a place of heaven. And I believe this is the value of camp meeting. I do. It, it, it's a bunch of people who get together who have one purpose in mind. And that is to do the will of God. And you come into the camp meeting and you, and you sing together and you pray together and, you, and the, you hear the preaching and you go and you have a meal together. It's a good meal. And what are we doing? We're having a little bit of heaven on earth. I remember as a kid, I didn't want camp meeting to ever end. I loved it and I didn't understand why, but now I understand it better. My home wasn't that kind of home. My home was a place of, uh, where Satan reigned and it was not a place of heaven. But when I'd go to camp meeting, it was heaven all the time. And I'm challenging you. Uh, I believe Christ is challenging us in, in this place of, 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 of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is to heaven. Make the kingdom come by your choices. Make the kingdom come in your home, in, your, in Altamont, or wherever it is that you live. Make it a little bit more like heaven. Don't leave it to someone else. Don't leave it to a politician. Don't leave it to, don't leave it to the government. Don't leave it to, the, to someone else. Don't leave it to the other church. It's our responsibility to bring heaven to where we are. And this is why I believe that God has chosen not to inhabit this building, but to inhabit us as little tabernacles that carry the Holy Spirit with us everywhere we go so that we can have God just overflowing where we are. And do you know what heaven is? It's not a pleasure factory. It is the unveiled presence of Almighty God. That's what heaven is. And when we bring the presence of God into a church service or a camp meeting service or to our workplace or into our home, we are making it more like heaven. Oh, that God would help us. Oh, that God would help us to advance the kingdom of God. I believe that the message like this causes the enemy to tremble. Because if we get a hold of this truth,
And there's peace in our homes. And peace in our churches. And peace in our, peace in our, in our communities. And the glory of God is able to shine round about. Folks, this, the Methodists believe this. Francis Asbury believed it. it the, the circuit-riding preachers who died on an average of 30 years of age would ride themselves literally to death in order to make this country a little bit more like heaven. And let's not, let's not deny that they were successful. Our nation has become one of the greatest in the history of all the earth because of circuit-riding Methodist preachers who said, we're going to take this new land and make it as much like heaven as possible. And we can have hatred and we can, we can bicker and we can debate and we can do all these things or we can continue the mission of the circuit riders. If they're willing to die for it, can't we just do a little something about it? That's why Methodism changed this nation. That's why Methodism sent out so many missionaries. Is because they had a deep burning desire to make every place that the uh, hoof of their horse landed to make it a little bit more like heaven. And that's our mission, church. That's our call, church. That is our responsibility. And when we pray, as Jesus taught us to pray, about the reign of God, it's about first accepting His reign in our lives. It's about anticipating when he's, His return. But I believe it's, an about, it's a call for us to advance the kingdom. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come to ultimate holiness church. Into the Morford household and the Steele household. Kelsos and, and the Skanks and, and the Kleinses and Dodsworths who aren't here and, and your home. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thy will be done in Altamont and in Cherryvale and Mound Valley. On earth as it is in heaven. Do you know how the will of God is done in heaven? Immediately. The Lord says to one angel, go, and he goes. He says to another angel, come, and he comes. God, give us the immediate obedience of thy will on earth as it is in heaven. The five hours of prayer, just kindergarten, it begins with a relationship with God. And then it moves to a recognizing of the reign of God. Let's stand together. Amen. Amen. Jimmy, dismiss us in prayer, please.